Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 16 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by author Jeannie Koch. Hello. How are you doing this morning, Koch? I am doing great. How are you? Awesome. I'm I'm doing great. Nice kind of uh, sunny afternoon out in Palm Springs, so that's enjoyable. And it's beautiful here in Phoenix, too. Very nice, very nice. We're going to jump right into the interview. Uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm an author. I write the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series for Daw Books, which is part of Penguin Random House. I also write uh, the Necropolis Enforcement File series, the Alexander Outland series, the Martian Alliance series, and a whole bunch of other things. And I write under a variety of pen names, including G.J. Koch, um, Anita Ensall, Gemma Chase, J.C. Koch, and A.E. Stanton. Basically, it's a controlled form of schizophrenia, and I make it work for me. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, what areas do you feel like you've got really strong geekitude in? Where Where are your geeky areas? Um, definitely music. Uh, somewhat TV. It, it depends. Um, writing. I'm on a lot of deadlines. I'm on a two book a year contract with Daw, so that's two novels a year plus all the other stuff I write. So I, I kind of I'm really glad that Netflix and Amazon have sort of turned us into binging culture. Because mm-hmm. that's how I'm doing it now. I've managed to convince my husband that this is the right way, <laughs> so I can actually catch up on things, as opposed to being watching shows that are interesting just pass by because I don't have time. Um, right. I comics, movies. I'm not. I like video games, but I would not call myself deeply geek. I'd say that's where my geekitude is probably the lowest. Even though um, two of our dogs um, are are two pit bulls. One's named Melina, and one's named Baraka. And <laughs> most people, we have to explain, no, it's from Mortal Kombat, and people just right. look at us, and we're like, the video game, and they look at us again, and we move on, but yeah, so we named our dogs after video game characters, so I'm not totally out, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm I would say that's lower, it's, I haven't played Halo, I haven't played World of Warcraft, and, and such, and such, but I'll take anybody in pinball. Really good at <laughs> I when uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, I went to um, Portland with my husband, and he he does not like video games in any way, shape, or form. But I I made him take me to the um, the big arcade they have up there, uh-huh. and he he refell in love with pinball. We had a very good time. Uh, we're not good at it, but we we had a, a very fun time playing all the old pinball machines. Uh, I love pinball. I am I am absolutely a pinball wizard and I miss getting to play it. Um the the game system I liked the best was our Sega and um our daughter and one of her friends broke it. Though, you know, the story still changes every year about how that <laughs> happened, but uh we had a Sonic Spinball on that. And that was both pinball and a game. It was just so much fun. It was my favorite and I you know, millions and millions and millions of this my high score, and it's gone forever. Oh, so, oh. Yeah. Years ago now, I still mourn. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any other areas of uh, of geekitude that you're not as um, as solid in? You're not as comfortable with? Um, you know, I guess it just depends. I, I think a lot of us think we're um, all knowledgeable in some areas, and then you run across somebody else who's so much more knowledgeable that you're like, I can know nothing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, that's, I, I think I know a lot about pretty much everything. 
especially if it's pop culture related. But, you know, they're definitely they're going to be gaps everywhere, and especially in terms of, well, have you seen this show? It's like, no, I know everything about it, but I've never watched an episode. So. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a little bit about that with uh, Doctor Who. Oh, my um, God, yes, where... I can't stand Doctor Who. <laughs> and, and literally half of my fans are gigantic Whovians, and I have tried watching that, and I just I can't cannot yeah. do it. So, but I know everything about it because my critique partner and so many of my friends and my fans are so into it that I know everything about it. I just can't handle watching the show. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit the same way. I'm I'm trying. The, the, we're at my last attempt to see if I can do it because, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that in the Keep It Geek this week. But um, but yeah, I'm the same way, and I have students that are are very into uh, Doctor Who, and I just I can't relate. But but I've tried. <laughs> I, I've tried. I'm very visually um, uh, distracted, so you know, like the joke, you know, I could be. So someone else can be watching, you know, the the eleventh part of a twelve part miniseries, and they're like, "Oh, I forgot to put in laundry," and they get up and they leave. I'm watching the same episode of Gilligan's Island again for like the thirtieth time because it might change. And <laughs> I, yeah, so if it's on, I watch commercials. I watch this stuff if it's on. It's very difficult for me to turn away. And I've tried Doctor Who three different times, just randomly turned it on, and I'm checking the watch and the clock, and I I can't wait for the next commercial to come so I can leave. <laughs> and I was at the Hugo Awards um, a couple of years ago when uh, Worldcon was in San Antonio. And I'm watching, and they had two Doctor Who episodes up for best um, you know, TV movie kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, here we go. Now I'm going to see the two best episodes in the Matt Smith year that everybody says is so great. And they had Game of Thrones on, and you know they did the Peter Peter Dinklage speech, and he is so fabulous. I'm a huge Peter Dinklage fangirl, and have been since before he was cool. Um, and I, it's just amazing, right? I'm like, oh wow, I'm really mm-hmm. waiting. Both Doctor Who snippets. I'm just like looking in the dark, looking at my watch. When is this over? It just <laughs> does nothing for me, and I, I won't even try anymore. It's just, it's just not worth it. I just have I have accepted it will never appeal to me. It is just not my cuppa. It's never going to be. And I'm stopping trying because there's other things I'd like to do. Yeah, exactly. And and as we say quite often on the show, you know, not everybody's going to be a geek, a geek at everything, and that's okay because right. there's just not enough time in the day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you are working on quite a few things with all your novels, yes. um, but and what what projects do you have running uh, right now? Well, I write, in addition to novels, I also write short stories, novellas, novelettes, and so forth. So I have, right now, actually, I have another short story that's due in two days. Um, I'm sure I'll get it done, cough, choke. Uh, then I have <laughs> another short story due for a different anthology. I just turned in one for, I basically have three short stories due for three different anthologies. One I just turned in yesterday, one has to turn in Sunday, and then the other turns in next month. I've got to work on, uh, I just turned in in December and finished the edits on this in January, uh, Camp Alien, which is the 13th novel in the Alien series. And so I have to work on Alien Nation, which is the 14th, which is the next one due there. I need to work on the second book in my Necropolis Enforcement Files series, the follow-up to The Night Beat, which is Night Music. And that has to come out because I have a licensing deal that we're we're doing soft openings at Tucson Festival of Books and Phoenix Comic Con, but we're doing the hard opening at San Diego Comic Con, so that second book has to be done. And in my hot little hands, 
of that we can do do the promotion that needs to happen and um and then I also have the next installment in my Martian Alliance Chronicles series that needs to get done but the the those two novels and these two other short stories have to get done first so so you you're just a very busy person. I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I review for Slice of Sci-Fi, which is the only reason I get out to movies and really the only reason I watch television at all right now is because we do I I for example I'm going to I got the Deadpool premiere. I'm so excited. Love Deadpool. And um, so, you know, I've got that. I've got the review to do for that. I've got a couple other movie reviews that I'm going to. And then we do a five-episodes-in thing at Slice where we'll watch a show and we'll write a review after five episodes. And that's the only reason I'm seeing any television right now because I'm so busy. But the binging is great. I can wait for five weeks, binge it on a weekend, and then do my review, and I'm great. I know if I'm either sick or, or leaving. Yeah, what was your last uh, five-episode uh, binge review? Uh, Supergirl, and that should be going up, I think, this week. So. Supergirl. And how do you, how how did you feel about I it? I really like it? it. I really like it. Yeah, I, I like the very very strong feminist twist. I thought I was going to hate Kalista Flockhart's character, and I love her. Um, love the actress they have for Supergirl. Um, there are a couple things in the last episode that I saw, which is not the last episode that has aired, um, because we're we're stockpiling them again. Um, since I've done the review, we have to wait so I can get writing done. Um, but uh, I, there are a couple things that are happening that I hope they, they pull out of because I don't necessarily like how a couple of things are going. But um, I trust the production group that's doing it very much because, yeah. I mean, Arrow's awesome, Flash is awesome. I'm really happy with Supergirl. So uh, looking forward to Legends of Tomorrow, which, again, we're stockpiling. Uh, did watch the Lucifer premiere though. So. I saw that at Comic Con uh, over the summer, this last summer. And I didn't bother because I didn't sound like something I wanted to see, so I didn't even try to get in. Yeah, I I thought it was uh, a friend of mine is a big Lucifer fan, and I just felt bad because they turned it into another um, procedural. Yeah, it is, I, and you know, and it, it it's funny. We we finished it. I said, oh, it's elementary, but Holmes is the devil. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I felt like. I I. We'll. I am gonna watch. Do the. We're gonna stockpile the other four, and I'm gonna do five episodes in and see how I like it. I really liked the actor that they picked for it. I really. I did enjoy it. Um, I love uh, DB Woodhouse, um, who uh, is playing the other angel, and um, I like how all of that is scary and and different and everything else. I'm kind of. I'm with you. It's like, oh yeah, it's a police procedural. Fabulous. But you know they did that kind of with Angel in its first series, in its first season too, and uh, I get I get why you do it because it's a comfortable thing for viewers. Right, right. Very... Especially when you have, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you have a a show called Lucifer. Right, and uh, Lucifer Morningstar is our our, our hero. So um, I I don't mind it. I am not enamored of the actress they have playing um, the co-star. But mm-hmm. she did grow on me through the through the premiere. So we'll see. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was very like I I enjoyed the dialogue and I thought he was fantastic. Yes, it just very fun. And so it's kind of like oh, 
I want to like this, but I don't know. You know, if I'm hoping they'll do what a lot of shows do and drop that format as they go a little further in. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't either. And it again, I mean, I drop Agents of Shield in five episodes, so I've got mm-hmm. no problem. Um, and uh, I have no problem watching stuff these days because I'm so busy. It makes it very easy to say I'm not watching that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. shows I like, like I cannot devote the time to Arrow. I liked Gotham, but Gotham is really dark. And I tend, while I write horror as J.C. Koch, um, for the most part, I don't really like to watch dark stuff. Um, I, I can't watch horror, for example. I believe it. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. part of the mm-hmm. problem. I'm scared, and I, I don't like, I don't enjoy being scared. I enjoy scaring others when I'm writing, but I don't <laughs> like being scared myself. And um, we, my husband's just like, we're dumping this, we're dumping this, we're dumping that, because he's like, I really, he's, he said, I realize you can't, literally, you'll watch this and then you can't write, so forget it, mm-hmm, we're done, mm-hmm. I don't care, you know, someone else can do that review, not you, and so we're dumping anything dark, and Arrow, I, my husband loves this show, so I get him, you know, the um, the seasons on DVD, and I can watch it then. I don't have to watch it even now, even binging it. I won't do it because it's dark, and I like yeah, it, it, and is. I really like the characters, but I just can't can't do that. And um, so I have to be very, very picky about what I'm watching, which is kind of why you know, like I loved The Librarians. I just that's my favorite new show of the last year or so. Love The Librarians. Yes, it's campy, but it's adorable, and it's fun, and it's funny. And I wish it had longer seasons, but I love it. I'm really enjoying Gallivant, for example. Like this music, it's hilarious, um, and all this stuff. And so Supergirl is really light, and it's fun. And even with mm-hmm. the dark, there's still light. And so it's, it's she's it, you know it's set in L.A. or National City, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's sunny, and she's sunny, and even in things stink, it's like still funny. And I need to kind of stick with that and the visual. A movie is one thing, but something that you're going to dedicate hours and hours and hours to, I gotta, I have to stick to the wheelhouse that ensures that I can turn around and write science fiction that's funny with a lot of action and and humor and romance in it. And I can't do that if I just watch Gotham. And yeah, and you can't have it pulling you down. Yeah. So, and I really liked Gotham too. So, but. I'm going to have to uh, look into librarians because you're the second person I've heard that's really enjoyed it. And um, my husband's kind of like you in that he does not like to watch a lot of dark stuff. Oh, he'll love it. Oh, my gosh. So that, have you yeah. ever seen the, the, the TV movies? Um, Noah Wiley is the star of – it's the librarian, and then there's two more librarian movies. You don't have to have watched them to get the series, but if mm-hmm. you have – it is it is the next iteration from that. Yeah, I know nothing of the franchise, so really that's something cute. I'm going to have to look into. Really, that sounds really fun. It, it's very fun. Um, it celebrates being intelligent, which I always enjoy. <laughs> and it's just it's very light, even in, in the dark. It's one of those things. Yes, bad things happen, but hey, good always triumphs. Good always triumphs, awesome. and people are happy and fun. And it's very, it, it's it's kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. But with a very nerdy hero who is not an action hero at all. The women are the guardians of the librarian, usually. It's usually a kick-butt girl 
who is taking care of Mr. Fumblebunt there. It's just that, it's, that's awesome. It's really fun. It's really fun. So I strongly recommend it. It's interesting too. It's one of my review of the first season of The Librarians. I got we got so many comments on it on Slice with everybody like I love this show. I love this show. I love this show. I mean nobody that's watched it hasn't liked it that I know of. So it's just it's very fun. Well, that's awesome. We're gonna we're gonna add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, definitely do. And I would recommend um, find the Librarian movies because there are three of them. Watch them in order. It, it will help you enjoy the show. You will, you can come into the show completely cold, but I think, especially if your husband's like me and he likes to like fun stuff, I think he would enjoy the movies too. Yeah, it sounds right up his alley. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Overall, what would you say your favorite fandom is? Um, the ones my fans have around my books. <laughs> That's probably wrong to say, isn't it? But it is because no, not at fandom. all. Fandom around something I created is pretty awesome, and um, I still. I mean, the first fan letter I got, I actually got before Touched by an Alien, which is the first book in my series um, that came out three. We- I got the fan letter three weeks before the book release, and oh, wow. I almost threw it away. But um, it was from a fan, Karen, in um, Netherlands. And her bookstore just got the books and put them out three weeks early because, you know, what's the release date, right? Mm-hmm. And she told me that she chose mine over Charlene Harris's latest, uh, which was like, oh, my God. And she loved it, and she told me how wonderful it was and everything, and I still call her first fan. And I, But I was floored. I never expected – I didn't expect to not have people buy and enjoy the books. I had never been prepared. I had not expected that people were going to send me emails and talk to me on Facebook and Twitter and tell me how much they loved my books. Um, it's got to be so cool. It is really neat. I've had some. I've had letters that made me cry with people who are like, you know, my I have a spouse or a family member in the hospital and um, and or they're dying or something, and your books are the only thing to help me get through it. You know, you're like, I'm gonna cry. Because it's really, it's like, wow, you know, you don't know when you put something out there. You don't know how it is going to affect people. You want it to, you want it to be something that affects people and to find out that it did and that they loved it and um, they, they, you know, finish your book and tell you they need the next one immediately, which is a little painful because it, uh-huh. I can't write them as fast as they can read them. Um, and, um, you know, and so forth. It's really, it's really great. And it's a, it's a lovely side benefit I was not prepared for at all. So, That's awesome. Yeah. It's very, so, very cool. So it's really neat. Other than that, which one that I am in the most, um, I would, it varies. I, I would have said, uh, a while ago I would have said Star Wars, but that's not the case anymore. Uh, I would have said, you know, X-Men, and that probably still is the case, but, um, Deadpool, very big into Deadpool. <laughs> I love Deadpool. Um, I love Wolverine, too. Wolverine's my favorite, but Deadpool gets all the best lines. Uh, he does. He does. And, you know, it, my fandoms just vary. It, it, it's like I'm not – I don't have the time to be hugely actively involved in anything other than my own stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, while I enjoy things, it's like I'm not, you know, I'm not into Doctor Who like all of the other people are. Um, I love Firefly, though. So if I think about what what T-shirts do I have the most of, it's Firefly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that would so probably that's a great... be – that would be mine. I'm a brown coat. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Very cool. 
Um, and then finally, do you have any guilty pleasures, things that, you know, you kind of blush a little when uh, you admit that you, you are a fan of it? Um, You know, I refuse to be embarrassed for the things I like. I refuse to be embarrassed for the things I like. Um, and I'm getting uh, Zoolander. I, I have the Zoolander premiere. <laughs> okay, I have the Zoolander 2 premiere. And my editor at Slice almost didn't even hand out the premiere. Uh, it's only because I mentioned, she says, oh, I threw that away. Who would want to go to that? I'm like, me? I'm like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. killing to go to that, right? I love that movie. It's hilarious. Is it, it is. Yes, but it's hilarious. Okay, so... I don't really have – I love the mortal, the first Mortal Kombat movie. The second one should not ever be mentioned, but the first one, I love that movie. Um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. You know, I'm not going to apologize. Oh, for, it's classic. Oh, I know. But it was – you know, people didn't get it at the start. Right. Um, I'm just – I refuse to apologize for things I like. It's not like anything I like is deviant. You know, it, 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 you should be embarrassed if what you like is something horrible, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, I like all these things. I like I like comedies. I like action movies. Oh, okay, here's my guilty pleasure that I'm not guilty about at all. I like Michael Bay. Michael Bay, <laughs> I am your woman. He knows how to blow shit up real good. And having seen mm-hmm. the horrific Green Hornet starring God alone knows why, Seth Rogen, okay, mm-hmm. That was one of the wor- that was probably the worst big budget movie I've ever had the misfortune to see. I've seen worse mm-hmm. movies, but this one had a budget. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was awful and there were so many explosions and none of them were good. And I left that watching that and I turned to my husband and I said, Michael Bay is an auteur. People just don't understand what an artist this man is and how hard it is to make explosions seem lyrical and fitting as opposed to what they did with Green Hornet, which was just a travesty. The Green movies that year were terrible because Green Lantern was Green Lantern was the biggest sin. It was boring. But yeah, it really wasn't it, great. It was not. It was very dull. There's, it, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it, but there's nothing right with it either. It was just boring. Um, yeah. But Green Hornet was just a hot, horrific Negative. There's. I have nothing good to say other than the guy that they cast as Cato was really cute. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. And then having seen Jobs, which was the the best acted terrible movie I've seen ever. Um, the acting was amazing. And watching Seth Rogen play um, Waz in that was amazing to me because I was telling my daughter that I. I mean, I was around. I was aware when all this stuff was going on. Okay, mm-hmm. so the 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 Jobs well Jobs Wozniak um, fight and all this other stuff, all these things, all that that was news. Okay, that was something we were paying attention to, especially if you were mm-hmm. utilizing the product. And I was in an advertising agency at the time, and so we were using Max. Okay, so we cared about what was going on. He captured Woz perfectly. I'm like, oh my God, Seth Rogen can actually act, which mm-hmm. makes Green Hornet even worse. Yeah. Okay, because in retrospect, knowing that he can actually act, that he became Waz, was just like, oh, wow, that makes that movie even worse in retrospect. So I, I like, I like Michael Bay, and I am unashamed to admit it. I would, <laughs> I would. People say, who would you like to direct your movie? And my answer is Michael Bay, because I That's have awesome. a lot of explosions in everything I write, especially in the Alien series, and he would do it right. 
And despite and that's people, really the important thing. It is. Well, and despite what people want to say, I don't think he insults his female characters. A lot of them do, and I don't actually think he does. Having watched his movies, I mean, it's not he's not going to bat a hundred, a thousand every time, but he, mm-hmm. uh, way more often, the female characters are doing rescuing, are doing action, are doing all this other stuff. They're not standing around waiting to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I I think he is really a a much better director than anybody wants to give him credit for. It's just like people enjoy kicking at him because he's hugely successful. Um, um, and you know, um, I I think they enjoy picking on him. And um, yeah, I just don't. I like him. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's I mean, and I think again, we we very much uh, speak out to the fact that everybody's got their fandoms and their things that they like, and that's okay whether it's popular or not, because you know what, it's what you like, and that's what makes you happy. So why 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 not be able to indulge in it? I liked the first two Transformers movies. I'm not ashamed. I I didn't mind them when we got into three. I was like, uh. I haven't seen three. Ran out of time. Yeah. 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 Three didn't sound as good, but I really no. liked, and and four really didn't. But um, I really, really liked the first two. Yeah. So. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for sharing with us, kind of your your loves and likes and and things that you have fun with. Oh, I have way more. I've only shared. <laughs> you have a time limit, are, so you know. <laughs> we're just getting started. Um, we're gonna move on to the things that we we did this week to to keep it geeky. Okay. Um, the big news for me this week is I am an uncle. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, my brother and his wife had a baby girl, and so her name is Mary May Hogan. Oh. Yeah, she's named after um our grandmother and uh, her her maternal grandmother. And so uh, we're we're very happy to have her around, and can't wait to start getting her into all sorts of geeky stuff. Yay! Yeah, so that was that was one thing that that happened this week. Um, I also published an article on dumbbells and dragons. Um, we had uh, the gentleman who runs that on our last couple of shows, uh, Kenny, and uh, and so I was lucky enough once we we connected to to find out that he was looking for people to do articles on his website. And so I'm going to be every other week releasing a an article about how I am trying to get back into shape. Oh, and awesome. it is slow going, but hopefully the uh <laughs> hopefully having that accountability will will prompt me to do some of the stuff that I know I should do but just can't get the gumption up to do it. Good man and I feel your pain, believe me. Yeah, yeah. It was it was supposed to be a New Year's resolution, and now it's kind of like, a, well, it'll be a Valentine's Day resolution. That's right, darn it, darn it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It'll be a today resolution. A today resolution, exactly. <laughs> um, my husband and I started watching Agent Carter this season. Had you watched last season? We did. Okay, yeah. We did. So did we. Yeah. yeah, big fan of Agent Carter. I think she's just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I watched. I haven't seen. I think we watched the first two hours, but I ha- if, if the third hour is out, I haven't seen the third hour yet. Yeah, I think the third hour is what we watched this week. Yeah. So. 
So don't tell um, me anything. It's fun. No, 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 no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, and yeah, so we enjoyed that, and I, I think it's, it's going in a very fun direction. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice to take it to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of nice because it's just very period, mm-hmm. and that's such an iconic time for out in LA. Yeah. So. So it was. It's it's kind of fun to see all that kind of come together. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that they got rid of her friend, who the aspiring actress, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's early in the season, so maybe she'll come out and you know, you is know, it, since yes, she wants to be an actress. She's an actress that would make sense. I'm kind of hoping because I liked her. Yeah. yeah, she was a lot of fun, and I think she kind of grounded Peggy a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, gave her that normal person to, um, to deal with. So. Yeah, you know, with yeah. Jarvis and Howard Stark, it's nice to talk to somebody who's working at the at the diner. Exactly. And then um, the last thing we mentioned, I mentioned it a little bit when we were talking about what what we didn't get into. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is called the Weck Podcast, and uh, it's just a bunch of friends who sit around and talk about things they enjoy, and usually it's geeky. Oh, good. And two of them are are doing. Kind of a episode by episode review of uh, Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I've seen the first maybe three or four episodes when they kind of rebooted it. I, I don't remember what series it is. I can't keep those numbers oh, straight. Oh, which Doctor? Yeah, I think it's Ninth. Yeah, Do- I exactly. think Ninth Doctor is the reboot. I think yeah, that's and so Eccleston, but it could be Eighth. I don't know. Yeah, and so it starts with the episode with the the um, mannequins. Which just kind of projects <laughs> weird, and I don't know that I want to be involved in this in this fandom. Yeah. But they they talk about it. They talk about it, and they're big fans. They talk about how going back and watching that episode, they're like, you know, it's not a good episode, and we have issues with the the, the companion, and we have, um, you know, they 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 start picking it apart. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna kind of stick with their. I'm gonna try and keep pace with them. And see if that gets me to invest a little bit more, knowing that, you know, what I've heard is you have to get through the first six episodes to get into it. And so I'm hoping that that will do it for me. But I I do think it's one of those series that either you are a fan of and you love it or it's just not your cup of tea. Yeah, I just I I always find it interesting when we're like so determined, oh, I'm going to stick with this. Uh, My my question is why? Yeah. You, You know, what do you get out of this? It's like, oh, well, I get enjoyment while you're suffering. To get that enjoyment, there's no point when there's so many other things you could be doing. I think that's one of. I think that to me, that's the biggest trap television has on us, is that they've convinced us that we need to dedicate time, even if it stinks, um, because mm-hmm. it'll be better. Because we we need to support it. It's like right now, if you look at television, there is we we don't need to support any geek shows. There are it's a glut. Okay. Right. So none of these shows need my support. And I remind myself of that because it's a unless you're Nielsen household, um, probably doesn't matter. And it's you know we act like if we don't do it, who will? It's a television show, right? You know, didn't matter what people did for Firefly; it's still gone. You know, and it's not you know yeah yeah. And you just have to accept that other shows go on forever, and it's like they're not in trouble, or if they are in trouble, whatever. You know, it's there's a lot of channels, there's a lot of options, and I just never feel like I have to. I feel like if it doesn't get me and keep me, um, I'm I have no I have other things to do. Yeah, I think a lot of my motivation is is that I I have um, 
a lot of students that enjoy it. And sometimes it's nice to be able to speak conversationally yeah. with uh, them about stuff that they enjoy. And it, it makes them a little less likely to be disruptive in class because you don't want to upset the teacher that shares a, a you know, an interest that you share with because then yeah. he might not be interested in sharing that with you anymore. Right. And so, you know, it's definitely a tool. I, I, I tried that when Twilight first came out. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one that I just could, that I, I couldn't stick with it, but at least I tried it and I can speak conversationally about it and mm-hmm. say, you know, I, I gave it a try. Yeah. Yeah. And good luck to you. I've given it yeah. my try. There's no more tries. <laughs> I've got no more tries. But yeah, I mean, I dumped it, like I said earlier, I dumped Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after five. I was so relieved my five episodes were done and I was never going to have to watch it again. And that had a rough start. Uh, well, and you know, people think, oh, it's so much better, it's so much this and so much that. So I have a friend's house. Um, when I was on book tour a year ago, December, I think, and um, I'm writing while they're watching this show, and it's supposed to be so much better, and all I hear is clunky dialogue, and I hear terrible acting, and I turn around, and it's still clunky, and it's still terrible. I'm like, nope, and this is supposed to be a good episode. I'm done. So glad I'm done. So glad I got rid of that. I was a huge Castle fan. And they just destroyed that show, and I should have stopped at the end of season six, and I struggled through season seven. And it was like, why am I doing this? And I quit that like a boss, and I've never felt so free. It was just like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I've got seasons one through five, and then I'll get season six, and I'm going to stop it and never watch the last show of that Mm -hmm. season, and all is well. And um, I just I cannot stand what they did to that, and I adore Nathan Fillion. And I can't yeah. watch that show anymore. So, um, versus Elementary is still going strong. I'm very happy. Still, still an excellent show. I love that show. Um, so, I don't have a lot that I feel like I want to want to sit down and watch and dedicate all this time to. Yeah, well, you have you have quite the busy schedule, yeah. <laughs> so I completely understand that. How about you? What did you do this week? Uh, well, it was my birthday. So, Happy birthday! Thank you. Another another thing around the sun. So that was very nice. Got to celebrate. Yeah, you know, I've been stretching it out too. It's been nice. Um, <laughs> and I turned in. Hey, I turned in my short story for Humanity 2.0 on time, and there was much much rejoicing. Uh, that's really kind of what I did this week. As I look, what did I do? Yeah, I I did that. I did that. Uh, you know, and. Uh, that, when you're an author, a lot of times what you're doing, oh, my characters did exciting things. I, I sat on my butt. <laughs> yeah, my characters, however, oh, my gosh, have they been exciting. Um, I turned in my teaser pages for, you know, uh, for Alienation for book 14. You know, so, hey, all that's starting. But me, I sat mostly. <laughs> and eight, Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the need to uh, get on the Dumbbells and Dragons program. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so uh so am I allowed to say how um we met? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think that's a, a the great thing. Kenny from Dumbbells and Dragons is my future son in law. So <laughs> So it's very nice of him to have um made made the love connection for us. But uh Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I gotta say that um, you know, we've been we've been talking a lot back and forth, uh, Kenny and I mm-hmm. and uh it, 
the other day before I I submitted my my article uh-huh. and then he said, "Well, can you send me a bio?" And I said, "Sure." So I went onto my you know the Geektitude website to see what I could kind of piece together from from my about page, so that they weren't completely identical. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and I said, you know what? I know I wrote about dumbbells and dragons earlier in my um, in in my blog's life. Mm-hmm. So this last uh, summer, with my very first official, like I had the welcome post and what it was about, and then the very next post was my first day at Comic Con uh, last summer. And oh. at the bottom, it was like, and while I was at this panel, somebody talked about their blog, Dum- Dumbbells and Dragons. What a great name for a, a blog. I'm definitely going to start following what they're up to. And so I just kind of sent them a link to that that post, and I was like, read the end. <laughs> just read the end. <laughs> That's awesome. It was, it was, this is obviously kismet. We were we were meant to uh, connect. So well, I'm, and to I'm make glad it better, Kenny work. was there because he was my guest. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it all comes full circle. It comes full circle, <laughs> the circle of trust. So, yeah, well, the nepotism are, is strong in this group. <laughs> that's okay. Are you going to be at the – because you're doing the, the hard open at Comic-Con, correct, yeah. for one of your books? Well, it's, and it's, so you, it's a licensing – I have a licensing agreement with Museum of Robots. Uh, they do uh, beautiful jewelry. And they also do like household items like um, table runners and placemats and napkins, tote bags, things like that. So mm-hmm. they have a licensing agreement now with, with me. They've kind of licensed me, not just a single property, but a variety of properties. Pretty much anything I write, they can look at and go, okay, what can we create based on this? So, um, But what they're creating uh, for the heart opening is something for the Necropolis Enforcement Files series that relates to that. And that's why I have to get the second book in that series done, because um, otherwise it's pretty hard to do a hard opening when the book you're trying to support isn't <laughs> actually available. So, we So, so there's that. But they'll be with me at Tucson Festival of Books and um, and Phoenix Comic Con, where we'll have we're we're starting to build the start of the collection. So the start of the collection will show up in Tucson first, which is. March, I think it's, well, let me look. I actually have a calendar I could say when that was. It's March 12th and 13th. And then uh, Phoenix Comic Con is, I think it's June this year, yeah. Phoenix Comic Con is uh, June 2nd through June 5th. And they'll be there with me again um, with a couple more things. But then um, in San Diego Comic Con at their booth, and I'm not sure what their booth number is, but they're really near to Warner Brothers, which makes it really exciting because <laughs> when Warner Brothers is doing stuff, that just you know the the spillover into all the other booths around them, it's it's a madhouse to get in and out. But that's when we're doing the the official big launch, so I need to make sure that stuff's there. And then hopefully every year, you know, you wait and hope you get a panel, and I have so far every year. I've been very fortunate, gotten a panel every year. And um, I usually do signings. I'll be doing signings at Museum of Robot, and I'll also be doing signings at the Mysterious Galaxy booth. And I'm their author for all of Preview Night at the Mysterious Galaxy booth, which if I only could have memorized the number on that before this, this would be great, but I don't remember what it is. It's in the 1100. I think it's 1100, 1119, I think. I know it's the 1100 row. What we'll have to do is when we start getting close to to – comic-con because it's it's the big one that we Mm -hmm. all you know the san diego one that everybody's going to go to we'll have to put together um a list on on our site and maybe share it with dumbbells and dragons of all the geektitude guests that will be appearing um 
there. And so that way everybody can kind of find it one place. But the whole reason why I brought it up is that that'll be awesome because I'll actually get to meet you in person. Yes. So that'll be fun. Yes. So that will be fun. So yeah, and Pro Reg is Monday. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so that madness gets to start. I don't like the new system. I just want to say, but uh, <laughs> it's way too lottery for me. It's, uh, I, I like to just get in early and get it done, and that's not how they're doing it anymore. So no, no. Yeah. So it's, I think it's different for press, but I don't know because I've never been on, never gone on a press badge. So well, and yeah, I'm I, I'm not quite to a point where I can go on a press badge. Um, but you know, when they did the pre-read. For the people that went last yeah. year, uh-huh. you know, we all we all have our little group that sits down with ten computer screens yes. each, all trying to. It's like the most stressful two hours yep. of our year. Just you know, it's like that for the pros too. It is just as yeah. stressful for us. <laughs> well, it's even more so because if I don't get to go, you know, I get to you know be disappointed and that's that but mm-hmm. you you guys are networking and getting yeah. getting work done there so it's kind of a bigger deal yeah. yeah i i miss the days where you paid 60 bucks you went in you went right over to the the terminal ordered your tickets for the following year and then got on with your com- convention yeah well that's you can still do that at phoenix comic con which by the way i heartily recommend you guys should come to it's a really great con that is no march is tucson festival of books and that is in tucson it's a great festival um, four readers, it's all books, all reading, um, cool panels, they bring in authors from all over the country, it's really, really awesome. It's definitely all books, though. Um, not that I'm complaining about that as an author, but for a lot of people, they want more than that. Right. Phoenix Comic Con, um, that is June 2nd through June 5th, and that one is it's a really big con. We average between 70 and 85,000 people. Um, which sounds, oh, my God, that's so big, except that, you know, San Diego is averaging 150,000 people. So, you know, it's like half the size, but we've got a full convention center, tons of stuff. We get great guests, um, and we have Doctor Who guests pretty much every year. So for the Whovians out there, we have, um, I guess, everybody's favorite companion or something. Um, I I saw it, but <laughs> that went to my Doctor Who trove of yeah, other people will care. Um, but great panels, authors, artists, celebrities, everything. Great big um, you know exhibit hall and tons and tons of things to do. So it's really fun and it is affordable. Um, tickets I think are still fifty dollars till the thirty first of this month, and then they go up to a whopping sixty dollars for the full weekend. You know, you can get so in. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you can get in. You can see people. You can have fun. You can do your. Um, you, if you want to get autographs, you know, you can order those early so that you you know you're going to get them and that kind of thing. So it's really fun. I also do the um, evening erotica event there every year. Uh, and we're still determining whether that's going to be on Friday night or Saturday night. But uh, that's a very fun event. Basically, I tell you what erotica is or isn't for about five minutes, and then we play the euphemism game for the next two to three hours, and everybody gets prizes. (laughs) So it's very fun. So uh, we don't recommend you bring your small children. No. Basically, people place bets on how fast I go blue once that event starts. I think my fastest (laughs) was 90 seconds. But nice. sometimes I've made it as long as four minutes. So, 
Um, but it's a lot of fun, and you never know what's going to happen. Each year it's different. Each year the euphemisms I'm telling people to come up with are different, and each year what we do is different. So it's a lot of fun. That does sound a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah the, like that's that's one of I'd, I'd say that sounds like one of the bigger conventions. I'm I'm starting to become a fan of of the little tiny hole in the wall conventions. Um, I know I'm going to go to Convolution in September this year. It's up in Northern California, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that people are just more. It, it's less intense. It's more accessible, and when they do have guests, the guests are more accessible. You know, I agree with you, but it also just depends. I I like Phoenix Comic Con. I think it's a really good, um, I think it's a good mix between the two. You can still Mm -hmm. see and talk, see people and talk to people and so forth, um, and still get to see a gigantic celebrity, um, and still get to see the big panel or the big thing. I mean, they did the Babylon 520th reunion at Phoenix Comic Con, and that was really. I heard it was awesome. I was working at my booth, so I never left. But <laughs> I didn't get to see well, it. I only left for my panel. So that's never fun. Yeah. So, but everybody else there said it was awesome, and you know, and there's just things like that that you get to see, and it's you can actually get into things. Versus mm-hmm. like San Diego last year. Um, fortunately, another author friend of mine and and Kenny they had gone ahead, and my assistant and I had other things we had to do first before we could go try to meet them to get in to see the Archer panel, okay? Mm-hmm. So Kenny and Terry just make it in. Joseph gets into line, and by the time I'm there, he's already been in line for an hour and a half and has barely moved. I'm in there for another hour. So I'm there for like an hour, hour and a half. He's there for, you know, two and a half, three hours. We do not get in, mm-hmm. okay? That doesn't happen in Phoenix. You yeah. get in. You know, and that is one of the things that is nice about it is that you can have the same level of people at this con and you can actually get in, get a chair and see them as opposed to, oh, no, you waited in line for eight million hours. That's the other thing, too, is that when they did the um, Firefly 10th year anniversary at San Diego, I was there and we got up early and went down to get in line. And the line was so long, it was already past Joe's Crab Shack, which means it's like miles long. Yeah, okay? miles. And we asked someone when we're in front of Joe's, I said, if I got into line here, not where it actually ends, but if I was here, when would I get in? And he's like, oh, maybe 6 p.m. this evening, mm-hmm. understanding that the panel was starting at like 10 or 11. And yeah. we're just like, screw it. So we walked back. Of course, you can't walk back the same way. So we ended up going through the Hyatt, and we actually ran into Sean Mayer, who was very oh, wow. nice. He was being moved by... Uh, clearly he had handlers and those mm-hmm. women did not want him to look at us and he did and he called us over and he was just really sweet we're like that gigantic line that line's for you he's like oh no and we're like <laughs> oh yes and all that line isn't getting in but just so you know they didn't put you guys in the right room but you in ballroom 20 you should have been in hall h and even then all these people wouldn't have gotten in yeah so yeah they, they've got to start doing something different at san diego um you know, there's all these controversies with the rebuilding of the convention center, yeah. and and I I don't know that it's going to get better. And I'm I'm perfectly happy with it going somewhere else. I'm, all, I'm I vote for Vegas, by the way. I'm so do I. A huge Vegas proponent. It's got the yeah. best cab service in the country. Okay, number one. Number two, you've got three or four convention centers there, maybe five. They're gigantic. They have more than enough hotel rooms. 
and they have hotel rooms that run the gamut from your price range without you having to walk miles right. to get in. They don't have to do buses. All you have to do is walk down the strip or get in a cab. Yeah, you know? no, my friends and I, we 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 camp out in Old Town, basically. We have a, a hotel that's now caught on and raised their prices. Of course. But yeah. we stay out in, in Old Town, and we take the tram in, which is very nice, but there's a lot of waiting. Yeah. There's a lot of walking, and, you know, as as we get older, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know that this is where I want to spend my time. Exactly. I stay up in an inn that is just on the outskirts of the gas lamp, so it's not in the gas lamp, meaning that you can get some sleep. But it's only like a block or two away. But that's still, I mean, I'm walking 10 miles a day easy when we're in San Diego. And that's good for the health, you know. Yes. Yay! We can both write columns for Dumbles and Dragons after it, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's exhausting versus in, in, in Vegas, I wouldn't have to do that. Right. And I am way for, I'm way pro-Vegas. Um, I used to work for IBM. And one of the things that I did there was I worked on our big partner world event and we we it used to it had moved all the time and then the last couple of years I was I was with IBM it we stayed in Vegas and it was just like oh this is heaven we're never mm-hmm. leaving because you were in one complex that was it you didn't have to leave the complex unless you insisted on it you could get where you needed to go without a cab without a this without a that it was sure it's walking because the casinos are huge but it's walking inside. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's no – when we were in St. St. Louis, oh, my gosh, the the um, the security we had to do. It's like no one wears this, no one wears that, no one do this. Because the thing is is that they were worried about people getting kidnapped um, because you would look important even if you weren't. Oh. You know, we're going to kidnap some poor secretary – who's there to take notes because she's wearing the badge that identifies her as IBM. They don't know, right? Mm-hmm. You know, no, you're not actually getting the head man or woman, but at the same time, you're taking somebody, right? And yeah. just things like that, that was not a concern in Vegas at all. It's just like, wear your badge wherever, do whatever you want, please be clothed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I've for, I've got some friends that are like, no, it won't be the same, and it's like, yeah. yeah, no, it won't be the same. But right now, I don't know that what we're getting is is what is is the best thing that we could be getting. Right. I know it's not, and and it's not. I mean, I I uh, uh, having been a business traveler for much longer than I've been an author, actually, um, I am bitterly bitterly resentful of how San Diego jacks those hotel prices up. They mm-hmm. are four times what they should be. And they remove amenities that are there normally. Yeah. So and, and and what makes me angry is that the people that are coming, the regular people, this is their gigantic family vacation. They they've saved up all year to be able to come here. And you have ra- the restaurants don't jack their prices, the hotels do. Okay, so mm-hmm. now how is a family of t- four going to do anything other than the con, and people are like, well, that's what they're there for. Yes, but you know what? Your kids are not. Your kids maybe want to go to SeaWorld or somewhere else. Heck, let's go to Disney. Let's go up to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go move it to Anaheim. WonderCon seems to be handling it okay. You know, it's like, oh, but then they'll go to Disneyland. So what? <laughs> so what? Oh, then they'll gamble. So what? You know what? If you spend a fortune of money to come to Comic Con, I'm going to tell you that the last thing you're looking at is the casino. Right. Okay. But it's nice if it's there. 
Okay, you know what also is nice? A million restaurants. That's really nice. Yes. Well, and the other thing that that they don't like, the reason why people will do other things is because they know they're not going to get into Hall H. They know they're not going to get into these other places. So, of course, if you you make everything a little bit more, you know, easily accessible, then, of course, we're going to go to the stuff that we're there to see. I mean, I had no problem waiting a couple hours in line to go see a big panel that I was excited about. But now I'm 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 sorry I'm too old to wake up at you know two in the morning and camp no. out for several hours. No, I'm just not no going to do. No reward is worth that. You know, no. <laughs> I'm firmly of the Han Solo attitude. No reward is worth this, <laughs> and, and it's not. And the thing is, is that even if you thought you could get the reward, we waited two and a half hours for nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, two and a half three hours to not get in. Yeah. Okay, and and it's like okay. Two and a half hours to get in, fine. Two and a half hours to not get in? So that was just time just completely, utterly wasted. Yeah. Couldn't do anything else, you know? Uh, Things like that uh, make you very bitter. And I don't see an advantage to anyone in doing that. You know, I think it would be, it would serve the people who are attending much more if they were somewhere where you could actually get in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, we have ranted on <laughs> about Comic-Con for plenty, and I'm sure this will not be the last time on this show because it's something I am very passionate about. I've been going there for tw- over 20 years, and um, and it, it has gotten more and more difficult to do. But yeah. we are going to l- move on to po- more positive things. <laughs> my God, I, I thought you almost said things. politics. It's like, oh, my God, no, let's go back to ranting about the con. <laughs> not politics, <laughs> not politics. <laughs> uh, so, something tells me we have some very similar views on that, so it won't be uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to be <laughs> another a mystery. Rant. Yeah, no, I don't think – well, there are plenty to rant about. I just think we would be in agreement on the ranting again. Exactly, exactly. All right. So a couple of fun news items this week. Um, I saw an article this week that uh, California College uh, is going to be offering free online courses dealing with uh, comic uh, sequential art. And the class is called Art and Relationships. Uh, It's being offered through California College of the Arts, who apparently is one of the few places that offers an MFA in comics. Well, that's because that's one of the few places where if you graduate with comics, you're actually going to get a job. Kellogg's mm-hmm. an amazing school. Yeah, so uh, we'll put a link of, to that in the show notes. So if anybody's interested in looking into that, I think it's really cool that they're offering some free online stuff to get people interested in what they're doing. I think they're awesome. And anytime you can take a course at CalArts, I would tell you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, they've got a huge, wonderful reputation. I've had several friends go there, and it, it is a it is a good place to go. Oh yeah. Um, also, what I am very excited about, a little bit too much excited about, I think at this point, is I am a huge Hanna Barbera fan, especially the the um, properties that they're talking about in this article. DC Comics is going to reinvent um, Scooby Doo, so Johnny Quest. The Flintstones, and I'm I'm looking at the pictures and the art that they have for this, and I am so excited. Me too. I'm really excited. Scooby Doo. I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan. Love Scooby Doo, and I'm really excited with the the, the Flintstones. I was just like, eh, whatever. But with yeah. Scooby Doo, I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks so awesome. I cannot. Yeah, they cannot wait. 
They've made uh, Shaggy looks kind of kind of hipsterish. Yeah. She's got kind of the the tattoo sleeves and the beard and and, and, and the all the beard stuff. And the, yeah. And then uh, Freddie has the the armband tattoos. Total frat boy. Yes. Um, and it's it looks very well. Scooby Doo Apocalypse is what the comic book is going to be, and they just look badass. They do. I'm really excited, Daphne and. And Velma both look good. It's not yeah, – I just – I can't wait. And, oh, speaking of guilty pleasures that I'm not ashamed, I loved the two Scooby-Doo live-action movies. I did too. I and I, I thought what they did with you – know, spoiler alert at this point yeah. – um, making uh, Scrappy the villain oh at the end God, of the first wasn't one. Wasn't that the best? That so was brilliant. So brilliant. That was so brilliant. And I that was one of the ones um, our daughter was – was little and, and she wanted to see it and I had drawn the parental short straw. Uh, it was the one that had to go with her. And mm-hmm. we're in the middle of the Shaggy and Scooby fart scene, <laughs> and which is yes. where I got the other. And I don't normally like fart scenes, and I realize the kids are laughing. I'm laughing my head off. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. god, I love this movie. I'm so embarrassed, but I love this movie. We own it. We own both of them. I watched them I, regularly. I was watching that when I was I was straight out of college. My college roommate and I had a uh, an apartment out in Huntington Beach because we were working out that direction. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it, and that scene came up, and I was just rolling. And he walked in, kind of looked at me, and he's like, really? And I'm like, yes. I don't care if it's not funny to you. Exactly. I am having such a good time right now. It was so funny. And I normally – most most of the fart scenes will just go right past me. I'll just be like, yeah, whatever. It was just so funny. I love that movie. So that's another guilty pleasure that I'm not at all ashamed of. Um, no, not at all. Oh, also, have you seen live-action George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser? I did. Yes. I did I can, back in the day, yes. yes. Yes, well, I own that as well. Um, that would be one where I would grab my girlfriends and literally say, so, have you seen this movie? They're like, oh, my God, it's George of the Jungle. I'm like, oh, you haven't seen the movie, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Let us watch it as adults. We're all like, ah! So you know, I I, fe- I feel bad for Brendan. He is he has lost the beauty, as so many of us do as we get older. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, but boy, he was he was he was the epitome of of perfection in that movie. And it's a sweet movie. Oh yeah, movie. he was gorgeous. He was beautiful, and it's such a sweet, funny movie. George of Jungle only here to help. So I just <laughs> I I love that movie. So yeah, I like a lot of these dorky movies that you know you're not supposed to, but I'd rather watch them than a lot of serious fair. I yeah. only need one color purple in my life and I've seen it. Yes, I would I would definitely agree with you. So, um the other thing about this whole article that I was excited about is one of the properties that they're doing is they're doing the Herculoids. Oh, which I didn't I see that. I loved when I was a kid. Oh, oh my wow. god, yeah. Wow, that's really com- exciting. They're going to combine uh Johnny Quest, Ghost uh Space Ghost and oh. um the Herculoids. I love Space Ghost, but now I love Space Ghost coast to coast too much. Yes, yeah, that that might be a little awkward to try and. Sh- well, it'll be interesting to see if they try and shift it into the series. That's what it looks like they're doing mm-hmm. because it's it's going to be their action comic. Yeah, I think they're calling it Future Quest. Um, I loved the Herculoids. I just it was one of those cartoons that everybody forgets about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just I. I think it's really exciting. I, I just I hope they do a good job, because of course there's always a hope. But I think mm. it's really exciting. I I can't wait. I want the Scooby Doo for sure. I, I do. I do too. When uh, I I may have talked about it on a previous episode, but when the the Lego um, 
Scooby-Doo series came out, I I ordered the mystery machine oh. and my my husband was was trying to Facebook shame me <laughs> by posting a picture on it. Uh he's a college professor and he posts the picture on his Facebook going, "Ah, oh, my husband <laughs> putting so together sweet. his mystery his, putting together his Scooby-Doo Legos in the living room." <laughs> and uh all the all the responses were like, "Oh, that's so cool. Is it the mystery machine? Yeah. Oh, I would really love that. That's really cool." <laughs> and one of my best friend goes, "I know that sigh at the end of your post was a uh, a sigh of love and affection." <laughs> Well, on, on, I have two Legos comments on that. One, uh, we're asking, you know, um, our daughter, what do we get Kenny for Christmas? And mm-hmm. she's like, well, he likes Hickory Farms and he likes Legos. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, he's like an 80-year-old man or a 6-year-old kid, just aged <laughs> for those. So we got him a Hickory Farms pack, and he was all excited, and we got him a Lego, a TARDIS Lego. And nice. he just, like, ripped it open and put it together during Christmas Eve while we're doing this stuff. I thought that was great. It's like that's what you want when you've gotten someone a present that you hope they're actually going to like. But I also am very good friends um, with uh, Miran Asanuma, who is the top female Lego um, builder who does not build for Lego. She worked for them at one time, but she is off on her own now. And um, it is amazing what people can do with Legos. And you know, yeah. she's here, oh, someone's doing Lego art, big deal. I, you have to, she's like an an architect mm-hmm. in addition she's built full size she uh, was hired by mcdonald's and she got to build a full size um to scale sorry not not full size but to a to scale mcdonald's franchise on stage during their um during their big convention oh wow and imagine hey she has to know wh- how to do it before she ever gets on stage she has to have all the pieces she could possibly need before she gets on stage, and then she's got to build it on stage. And you know, she did, and and to her it was just fun. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, I you know I could never. That's literally a degree in architecture. And when you see what some people do with it, it's not just oh I put this together. It's how you put this together and how real it looks and how amazing it is. And she's done um, almost photographic work with Legos where it, she's doing a Lego version of a picture and it clearly that person. Um she did um a Lego version of the Obama Hope um poster. Oh wow, yeah. Oh, it it looks just like it but in that Lego-ish look. It's just amazing. And you know, when you see what has to go on in the inside of the things that they're building, it's mm-hmm. it's just incredible. And then you go to Comic-Con and you see some of these pieces live. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe how much work that went into it. You know, it's not just a statue. There's something on the inside of that statue that's holding it up that they had to plan before they put one Lego together. It's yeah. just amazing to me. So, it's phenomenal what some of them can do. Oh, it really yeah. is. Yeah, no, I'm just like, yeah, I write words. So she's a fan of my books, and I'm a fan, I'm a fan of her Lego art. <laughs> I think the Lego Sounds like a very harder. mutually beneficial uh, relationship. I'm doing the part I can handle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I cannot do the Lego part. I had a very funny um, experience, though, with it. Um, it was either her or Kenny. One of them got this cool Lego, like, baseball-style shirt. And um, so I wear it. I especially wear it when I'm going down to do build-in on something. So we were going down to um, Tucson Comic-Con, 
And so I'm dressed literally to load up and build our 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 booth, right? Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. wearing this because it's it's long and it's comfortable and it's going to protect my arms. And so this is what I'm in. And we stop in Casa Grande to get some food. And there is um, the girl behind the counter said, "Oh, my little brother would just love that. He's really into Legos." I'm like, "Well, tell him not to stop because there's actually a really legitimate career opportunity out there." Um, for people that are good with it. Well, it turns out the whole family brings this kid over, and he's meeting me, and it's the weirdest feeling because he's totally, what he's excited about is what's on my chest and it's not not the twins, <laughs> you know, which was an unusual feeling. But he's, I, I'm mm-hmm. like getting this glory for something that is not mine. I cannot remember Marianne's name. I cannot remember the name of her company, which is Model Building Secrets, okay? I can't remember any of this. I can just remember mm-hmm. that one of my friends does this for a living by golly gee willikers, and you could do it too. Can't tell yeah. your name, can't tell your company, but <laughs> it was just, I've never experienced that before. I'm getting this adulation. It's like, this is not my adulation. I'm trying to pass this adulation over to San Diego where Marianne is. And it was just, it was just funny. So it's like, you know, every time I say, you know, Lego sister, if you're listening, it's Marianne Asanama, Model Building Secrets, don't give up. But it was, and the whole family's just like, oh, thank you for taking the time, I'm thinking, to not tell him anything. Yes, yes. (laughs) Well played me. (laughs) Good job there. So, yeah, so it was one of those, well, I could have done a better job with this if I had been prepared, but I was not at all. So, well, that's okay. Now we've got it out to all the listeners. That's right. That that's have. right. They, so, they can yes. pass it along and hopefully it'll get back to them. Exactly. <laughs> and seriously, if anybody listening out there is really into Legos, there is get good at it. It, it. As with anything, if you're good enough, there's a career mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you had an article that you would like to talk about, and I thought that was kind of exciting too. Yes. there is. This is actually news from last week, but um, I'm still excited about it for a variety of reasons um, because both of my writing and H.P. Lovecraft's um, actual prescience about this being out there, we have found what could be a ninth planet in our solar system and not, you know, Pluto has been dissed again, and I, I'm yes. there about that. I think that's unfair. I, I mean, Pluto, that's messed up. Um, yeah, I was a big fan of Psych. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but there is solid evidence for it, and this is done by Caltech, where you know the West Coast Brain Trust is. And um, it, one of the names that's being suggested is a name um, that um, Lovecraft had given, and if only I could remember what that was off the top of my head. Um, but it's he suggested that there would be like a, a planet of Yugos and, and, and how they're describing what this planet would probably be dark. Okay, it's really far from the sun. Cold, right. all these weird things. That's what Lovecraft described this planet as being where the old ones are from, mm-hmm. which we don't really want him to be right about that because no yeah no, that would not be a positive it's not good for us <laughs> but at the same time it's just very to me it's just hugely exciting that he could have been right you know and that you know maybe, maybe did he dream it did he just come up with it you know that kind of thing i just think it's very exciting and that we're finding more and more things in our in our own solar system and how much there is for us to find. Um, There's so much out there, and it's so exciting. It's, 
it's it's exciting. It's sometimes it's a little overwhelming because if you yeah. try and even consider the scope that you're talking, yeah. it's just it boggles the mind. Yeah, it does. And I write about this, so because I have aliens in my my series, aliens are on the planet. And as the series goes on, there's more and more and more and more. We're moving farther into the galaxy on things that we're discovering, even though the series is set on Earth. But a lot of the other things I write are also set out in the galaxy and everything. And our galaxy is so huge. And yet Mm -hmm. it's so tiny when you look at everything else in the known universe. And then you say, oh, and there's a multiverse. But not only is there our vast, incredible, incomprehensible to us known universe, but there's probably multiples of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just so exciting. Um yeah. and, and like you said though, it's 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 daunting and it's a little and it's humbling. And it makes mm-hmm. so much of, of the petty crap speaking of politics, the petty crap that's going on, um, that gets turned into the biggest things in the world. That yeah. should just be normal, decent human rights that no one else should care about that get turned into these gigantic things. And you just go, and and yet, think of what else is out there. Why are we worrying about these kinds of things? Why aren't we worrying about really the big the big issues? Why aren't why aren't we why aren't we just letting people be people and figure out how we get out to the stars where everything is so exciting? You know, look at all these things that we haven't done. Why are we fighting about the, all the little petty things? I would completely agree with you. I completely agree. Um, I, I do love this line in the in the article. Mike Brown describes himself as the astronomer who killed Pluto. Yeah, he's so proud <laughs> of that too. It's like, yeah, Pluto killer, and he's so proud. <laughs> and the rest of us are just kind of like, like I mean, the first the first thing I I thought of when, and I'm glad you mentioned it because the first thing I thought of when they said, oh, there's there's a, a evidence of a ninth planet. I'm like, yeah, Pluto. That's messed up, um, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pluto. And then it's like, and then my husband, who is is um, as nerdy and geeky as me, um, it probably in some ways more so. Um, you know, I make the Pluto comment. He goes, well, it's not a planet still. It's a, um, oh gosh, what is it called? Like a sub-planet or something. It's the same as Ceres. And I'm like, I just still consider this a rip-off for Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> Pluto did nothing to Kick deserve it while this. it's down. Kick yeah. it while it's down. Pluto did nothing to deserve this treatment. It's a good planet. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like everything you knew was wrong. That is one of the downsides of science in that, you know, we're constantly looking, we're constantly trying to find things. And so, you know, 50 years from now, something else is going to be, Pluto is going to be a planet again. You know, it's going to be, oh, well, no, it is a planet. So is Ceres, right? Right, Um, exactly. Because everything, what we know, changes and we adapt with it. But, it, it, you know, ignoring textbooks, it still just makes it a little hard. Yeah. You know, you're trying to figure out... um, you know what what actually is and what actually isn't. Oh, we've changed that again. Like okay. Well, we all we all built the model. Mm-hmm. We all built the model when we were in grade school. Yeah. And you know, and you 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 I'm you were it. happy when Pluto was done because you knew you were you were finished. You were finished a- exactly. <laughs> and now, not only is that modeling correct, and and we get an F, but mm-hmm. um, now we're not done because who knows what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think it's exciting. 
Yeah, it's very exciting. And and it's a good transition for kind of what we had talked about talking about today, which is is science fiction, which is kind of the 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 step in between. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. So, um one of the things because you know, you do you are a, a sci-fi writer among many other different genres, um I just thought we could maybe talk about some of the good that's that's out there and it doesn't have to necessarily be recent because there's been um plenty of sci-fi throughout time. Oh yeah. Um but the 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 good um maybe a little bit of the bad um or in in some cases the so bad it's good. <laughs> and um and what makes good sci-fi in the first place? Well, it's interesting in in terms of what makes good sci-fi there's been a study done and in terms of an acceptance and an enjoyment level, the further you get from real science, the more accepting the general public is of it. Uh, Star Wars and Star Trek are the great examples of that. They're very far from science. Star Trek is closer than Star mm-hmm. Wars, but they're both not. Okay, They're both not scientifically proven at this point to be possible in how mm-hmm. they're zooming around and doing everything. And yet they're hugely popular. They're the, the two most popular science fiction um, properties we have. And people will argue, oh, well, you know, but Star Wars is really fantasy. Everything is speculative. And mm-hmm. I, when I was first reading it, and I come, I come to science fiction through my grandmother. My grandmother read science fiction, and she read hard science fiction because she felt that whatever man could imagine, man could create. And she said she wanted to see what the future might be like based on all of this. And she, more and more, my grandmother has proven right every day. Mm-hmm, there are, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff from Minority Report that we're doing, stuff from Star Trek we're doing, all of these things because someone else created it. The rest, uh, someone else thought up the idea, and somebody else said, "Oh, we can do that. Here, let's work to get there." So it's a very exciting thing that um, we do as humans. Um, which I, is, is I think, what more than opposable thumbs is what sets it apart. We have ideas. Every right. human has ideas. That's why when aspiring authors say, well, I have this idea. I'm like, yeah, so what? Everybody's got ideas. <laughs> it, it, literally, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody has ideas. Everything around us, look at anything on your desk right now, including how we're speaking to each other, was an idea that someone acted on and created. There's nothing that our clothing is an idea, our phones are an idea, the calendar is an idea, and so forth. So it's the action you take on the idea, how you make that idea come true, that is different and interesting and everything else. So, you know, boy meets girl, good versus evil, man against nature, those are not original story ideas. Those are just three main story ideas, right? Right. How you do them, how you put the words together, how you put the images together makes it different from how I do it and how somebody else does it and how Heinlein did it and Clark did it and so forth. So there's a lot of, of that going on. And I like that we get to see all of these things. Hard science fiction versus soft science fiction always comes in there. Hard is, you know, I liken hard to this. When I started at IBM, I was coming out of a Mac environment. And I could not figure out what was going on. And I was constantly calling the help desk. And finally, I hit somebody, and he said, oh, honey, here's, here's, you just, when this happens, just ignore it. And I'm like, well, why is it happening? And I, he said, well, where, you're, you're new. Where did you come from? And I told him, he goes, oh, I got it. He goes, okay, so here's the difference between Mac and IBM. 
He goes, okay, on a Mac, I, I, you want to take a plane trip, right? I'm like, okay. He says, so on a Mac, you go, you buy your ticket, get on the plane, you get, you fly there, and you get off. I'm like, yeah. Because on IBM, you build the plane, mm-hmm. and then you get to buy your ticket. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, so you ignore all the plane building because you don't need to worry about that. We just have to look at it because we're so proud. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so hard science fiction wants you to watch them build a plane. Soft science fiction just wants you to get on the plane and go. Okay. And, That's cool. That's a very cool analogy. Yeah. So I thank whoever, the unsung genius in tech support from. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but sometimes you want to know how the plane is flying. Okay, sometimes you want to know how that's put together, and then you read or you write hard science fiction. I could actually, I actually am capable of writing hard science fiction. I just don't want to. I want to get, I don't want to show you how the plane works. I want to get you on the plane and take you on this exciting journey. And that is, to me, that's the difference. And so for, I kind of joke, I have a lot of um, fans that I'm their first science fiction that they've ever read. Um, I, I call myself the entry drug to science fiction <laughs> because my explanations for things, they're actually based in physics, but you're never going to know it. Most of my answers are, oh, it's a spatiotemporal war filtered through black hole technology, and we're done. Mm-hmm. That's the most scientific statement you're going to hear. I'm huge into genetics, so that's, there's a lot of that in there, okay, and, and things, but it's all done in a very fun manner. And I just prefer to do it that way, and other people mm-hmm. do not. And it's just what you like. It's what you like to do. It's what you like to read. I can read both, you know. So, But there are things that when it goes too far astray, I'm going to talk the bad science fiction right now, Force Awakens. That is some of the worst science-y science fiction I've ever seen. I could buy and everything. Why, why do you say that? Um, I'd like you to tell me what planet can move out of its orbit and then just go sail off and kill other things. It's a planet. They've turned into a weapon. So you've got two choices. Either it's moved out of its own orbit and to go drain stars and blow up other planets, or it's in its own orbit and it's draining its own star to blow up other planets. Now, I'll Which give doesn't you, make any sense. None of it makes sense. <laughs> Plus, as, as, as my spirit animal, Neil deGrasse Tyson, says correctly if you drained the power of a star into your planet your planet is exploding into a million tiny dust particles mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. it's not, it's it's literally impossible and i write soft science fiction i am perfectly willing to believe that we every ship has a gravity generator on it that never goes bad i'm mm-hmm. perfectly willing to believe that i have no objection to believing that okay i have a huge objection to you you telling me you've turned your planet into a sun-draining weapon that can shoot. Frankly, if the planet can leave its own orbit and go to somebody else's somehow, go to someone other solar system and drain that solar system's sun, it doesn't have to blow anybody up. Yeah. Because you're already up. They're dead. you get got to watch them die slowly for the eight minutes that they get, or the two, or the four, or the 14, whatever they get, and then they're gone, right? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. we ridiculous and it was so stupid that I'm just like yeah no that is some of the worst science and I'll give you I have given every other scientific blah in that series the past I can't do it it is too <laughs> ludicrous 
It is too no, I can definitely, and you're not the first person that I've heard say that. So, I, and I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I kind of just ignored it because okay. I would, I, I, I had that moment of that doesn't make sense. But I don't want to. I don't want to ruin this for myself. Couldn't, so I'm going to just ignore it. Couldn't. It ruined itself for me. So that there's mm-hmm. that. Um, but the, but we're not going to talk. <laughs> I can rant. We just I, we just did a slice of sci-fi talk on that. That's going live. I think next week where we we talked about our uh, our things on that. So check on that at slice of sci-fi because I hated this movie. I loved Ray. Loved Finn. Loved Poe. And I loved BB-8. And I feel they deserved a better movie than they got. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. Good science fiction, just like anything else, good is in the eye of the beholder, the eye of the reader, et cetera, et cetera. If there's only one thing that was good, then we'd only have that. We are myriad individuals, and we get to write myriad different stories. We get to see myriad different things. I hate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know people that love it. They don't, they don't need to stop watching it because I don't like it. Um, that's their cuppa. Awesome. It's not mine that I'm allowed to not like it, and they're allowed to love it. It does not matter. People are allowed to love Force Awakens, and billions do, okay? I didn't like it, and I don't have to like it. Um, that's one of the beauties of art, of which any form of entertainment is falling under the under the art spectrum, is that we get to like what we don't like. Going back to speculative, way back when, um, I everything was speculative fiction of one way or the other. It was either literary fiction or speculative fiction because you were speculating, right? So mm-hmm. science fiction, mysteries, all of this stuff really falls under speculative, and we've moved it around because, you know, publishing, like every other industry, likes to mix it up and keep everybody guessing. They now speculate with some weird little sub, subgenre of science fiction, and I don't agree with that, and it doesn't really matter. Anything you could say is fantasy. Anything you could say is science fiction. There's ways to actually take everything that's out there and prove them to be fantasy or science fiction. My point is why bother? You either like mm-hmm. it or you don't. Genres right. exist. Um, in, in, in publishing, genres exist for bookstores and libraries, mostly bookstores. So they know where to put your book on the shelves. Right. Um, for for viewers and such, genres exist because I only want to watch um, sitcom. Okay, then I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you it's a sitcom so you know you want to watch it. That's mm-hmm. all. That's the only reason those things exist. That's why, you know, dramedies, ooh, how exciting that there's humor and drama in the same, you know, just like life. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> wow, how crazy. So all of those things, but they had to come up with that term because it isn't just a laugh a minute and it's not um all deep and dark and etc cetera, etc cetera. so all of those things exist for reasons so within all of that i don't care i there's only a few things i'll ever say is bad 50 shades of gray that that shit's just evil um i'm really anti-fan <laughs> i'm anti-fan fiction um if mm-hmm. she's paying stephanie meyer because that is twilight fan fiction dressed up if she's paying stephanie meyer money okay then that's all right but i don't think she is um, right. Say what you will about Twilight, but Stephanie Meyer got a generation of teenagers, boys and girls, holding physical books. Right. Okay? <laughs> I don't care. That's some damn impressive writing. You can like it or not, but you know what? She had, and she didn't just have kids. She had plenty of adults. So oh, definitely. She tapped into something, and nobody gets to insult that because you know what? The market has spoken, and she is one of the you know top 12 authors in the world. 
um, from a financial standpoint, people say, well, that just means she sucks. No, it means she knew how to tap into the right stuff, whether right. by design or by accident, she tapped into something that mattered to millions of people. You know, and, and well, when you talk about it was, how it's not it's not your cup of tea, but mm-hmm. you know that doesn't right. mean it can't be somebody else's. I've had that I've had that conversation with students before because for me, um, you know, I back in my earlier in my teaching career, I was very quick to say, oh, you know, it's a terrible book, you know, mm-hmm. it's not worth your time and everything else. But then I actually sat down and was kind of schooled by a student when she got a little older, where she was like, you know what? I have an emotional connection to this book. Mm-hmm. I this book meant something to me when I read it, and 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 she kind of d- did explain that same thing where it's you know for me it has value, and mm-hmm. I understand why it doesn't have value for you, but that's okay because it doesn't have to. You're not necessarily the audience, and I think that was a good good lesson to learn and a good thing to to keep in mind that you know we don't have to like what everybody else is liking. And it's okay to like stuff that other people don't necessarily care for. Right. And uh, I, I don't think that we we explain that to people enough. No, it's be, it's very black and white. It's very like what I like, don't dislike what I dislike. Exactly. And, you know, and everyone's a critic. Um, yes. When I when I teach, I used to, way back when at the start of my uh, writing career, I was going into one of the local high schools and guest lecturing uh, their creative writing class. And what I would do, and I do this all the time anytime I'm talking about uh, issues like this, is like, okay, anybody who's seen a movie or television show in the last week, raise your hand. And, of course, everybody raises their hand, okay, because mm-hmm. everybody's seen TV, right? right. Um, you know, how many of you liked what you saw? Keep Raise your hand. How many of you didn't like what you saw? Raise your hand. How many of you told somebody that you did or didn't like what you saw? Every hand's up. I'm like, welcome to the club. You're all critics. Mm-hmm. Okay? You all have an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Every critic has an opinion. That's just how it rolls. Okay, we are critical natures. Art is open to criticism. So you'd better be ready because it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to get criticized. I got my first criticism on my log lines, for God's sake. Okay, uh, When you sell, you go into Publishers Weekly, right? So my agent mm-hmm. sends up my, the two books that we, that we sold, Touch My Alien, Alien Tango, right? And so that's being listed and I, I got negative critique from a website that talked about, you know, the new deals um, on my log line. And it was just – my agent was – I told her about it. She was so angry. She's like, well, you tell them. I'm like, I'm not telling them anything, okay? It no. does not matter. I just needed to tell you because I had to whine to somebody about it. <laughs> but it, what, it, what it was is they didn't – they decided based on a log line that they weren't going to like it. And I decided mm-hmm. based on that I was never going to read read their, their site. You know, I was never going to mm-hmm. be a party to their site. I was never going to support them, whatever. And, you know, it, it didn't matter. They didn't stop anyone from buying the book. And if they stopped somebody from buying a book based on a log line, then that person was never, ever going to read my stuff anyway. Right. You know, so you've got to look at it that way. But um, in terms of, you know, good, bad, that's all what do I like. You know, versus um, what does somebody else like? And, you know, my tastes are wide and varied. Um, I would tell you that, frankly, I never thought I was going to be writing science fiction. I thought I was going to be writing fantasy, uh, Mm -hmm. novels set in the Old West, and mysteries. And I do on all of that, but 90... 
Uh, probably at night. Call it eighty-five percent of what I write comes out of science fiction, whether I intend it to or not. <laughs> and is there a reason for that for you? Nope. Just um, I, I got nothing on why that ha- that why that is. It's just that's how I write. That's when it comes out. It comes out. If I just start writing something, eighty-five percent of the time, it's going to turn into science fiction in some way, shape, or form. And unintentionally, unintentionally, Um, I did not foresee that, and I'm not complaining. Science fiction's given me a career. I'm really happy about it, but Mm. I wasn't prepared for that. You know, so it it was very interesting to me. And I've read, I've read a lot. I uh, my first loves were mysteries, um, Mm. and I still love mysteries. That's why that's why Elementary is one of my favorite shows because we're dealing with a a version of Holmes. Um, and I, that was my first literary crush and everything else. And, um, so I love mysteries and I can remember going through the, um, the library in town and I grew up in Ventura, which is, you know, beach town an hour north of LA. And Mm -hmm. so I went through the entire Ventura public county, um, library systems ability to have mysteries in stock and I was bugging the librarians, when when was the next Ellery Queen? When was the next Alfred Hitchcock? When was the next um, Nero Wolf coming? Right, like they had any control. And, right. um, you know, but I didn't know. I was, I was, you know, I was a kid. I didn't know. It's like, where's my next fix, right? And so one of the librarians then turned me on to horror. And I still don't know if that was her being nasty or not. But <laughs> I read everything in horror, loved it, and then I hit Stephen King's Night Shift. And that's a collection of short stories. And I had to stop reading horror because um, one of those stories is um, The Boogeyman. And the conceit of the story is that the boogeyman can only get you if there's a closet door that's slightly ajar. If the door is closed tight, he can't get you. And if the door is wide open, he can't get you. But if it's slightly open, just a little, just a crack, the boogeyman Mm -hmm. can get you. I am a great big grown-up girl who just had another birthday, and I cannot be in a room, any room, where a door, any door, is open just to crack. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> um, so I, I have to, I have to agree with you on that one. I, I did not read that story, but when I was growing up, I could not have the closet open; it had to be closed completely. Well, you knew the and... man was trying to get you. Absolutely. And uh, my husband, when I started dating him, he always leaves it completely open. And for me, the the, it's not so much just the crack. Mm. It it had to be closed. And so I was like, okay, I've gotten used to it. But that was always a big thing. Like there's this big dark form Mm. in my room right now Mm. because the closet is open. Yeah, no, I I can handle it open um, or closed tightly, but I can't just a crack. And I had to stop reading horror because I realized I believe it. And to mm-hmm. this day, I mean, and now I write horror, okay, I have a lot of friends who are horror authors, and I ask them all the same question, so where would you get this idea for this story? If the answer is, oh, I was here, and it really struck me that that would be really cool, and blah, 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 and I thought this would be a great site, and I could make something really creepy, I can read that. If they mm-hmm. say, well, I had this weird experience, I'm done. Like, oh, that could be real. I'm done. I will not be touching it. I will tell other people to read your book, but I will not be reading your book. I will buy your book, Uh but I will never crack its cover. Ever, ever, ever. So um, I went from horror, and then I went from horror, I went to to science fiction. Uh, I was dating someone who had a huge science fiction and fantasy thing. And then from science 
fiction. Then I went into fantasy. Um, my back got hurt, and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, had a gigant- another gigantic um, science fiction and fantasy stuff, but he had more fantasy and more science fiction than the other boyfriend had had. So I, I was laid up for, you know, five, eight weeks, and I went through his entire collection because I'm a very fast reader. And so, you know, I mean, Dune was amazing. I don't know if I could read mm-hmm. it now. That's one of the downsides of of, of publishing and being in being an an, um, an author, and I, I'm sure other musicians go through this. I'm sure other you know filmmakers and everything else. But once you know all the things you're supposed to do, um, mm-hmm. you spot the things somebody's doing wrong, and you see every typo. You see, oh, I would have done this differently. Oh, I don't even believe. Oh my gosh, he's 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 telling, not showing. I killed myself. And that's Lovecraft. Lovecraft right, really is all um, all tell and very little show. And I used to mm-hmm. love Lovecraft. And I still love him for everything he's created. I write Lovecraftian horror. But I can't read much of him anymore because it's all, well, I met this horrible monster. Let me tell you all about it. It's like, ah. I spent yeah. years learning how not to do that. So Well, that's an, and that's also, I think, a little bit more of a, a, a dated um, yes. style. Yeah, like, you know, and so it's something we're very not used mm-hmm. to anymore. It's very Victorian. Um, it's a very armchair. Oh well, let me tell you know. Oh my God, Wiggins, you won't believe what I just saw. Here, man, <laughs> have a drink, have a brandy, and tell me all about it. Literally, that's how every story in those that era seemed to start, and it was great for the era. It's not so hot anymore. No, well, and we're just and we're just starting in my uh, my English class. We're we're studying our annual Frankenstein. Ooh, uh-huh. And and I love I love the story, mm-hmm. but reading through the story within a story, mm-hmm. within a story within a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I even draw it in like little parentheses on the board. So I'm like, all right, where in the storytelling process are we now? Yeah, exactly. Which story within the story within the story are we doing? And you know, Dracula, I mean, that's all epistolatory, which it works, but you know, at the same time, that's still tough to get through. Yeah. So yeah, it just it, it just depends. Um, and yet, picture of Dorian Gray is from that era, and it doesn't read like that. No, I started reading that novel when I was um, working uh, at an uh, the the Queen Mary in Long Beach. I oh. was in the the attractions <laughs> department actually, and we would have these long long stretches of time where we would just be sitting waiting for our next uh, tour to go on. Yep. And. I couldn't get through it just because it it was taking so much focus and there was so much going on around me. It's like, no, when I finally get to this book, I need to be able to sit down and concentrate because it was so so rich with stuff that I was missing too much. And I'm like, I've got to put this down and go back to it. And unfortunately, life happens and I I still need to go back and and pick that back up. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. It doesn't read like these others from the era. It's really, really quite, quite good. Um, and because one of um, I homeschooled our daughter for a few years, and when uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was coming out, we did a whole track on that. It's like you can mm-hmm. see the movie, but you have to have read at least one thing by all these people, you know. So she read Dracula, she read The Invisible Man, which I'm with her. It's amazing. Um, she was like, I don't even understand how Wells is popular. I said, Wells is popular because of the ideas. And at mm-hmm. the time, they were revolutionary. And you're underwhelmed because you've seen these ideas now reused so many times. 
that there's nothing new and all you're able to focus on is the prose and the prose is very, very, you know, dated for us. Mm-hmm. The Invisible Man, basically, he spends his whole time being pissed off and running around looking for pants. That yeah. was her book report and she was right. I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue. <laughs> it was like, yep, nope, mom can't argue about this one. Um, she really loved the Alan Quartermain stories. Um, we neither one of us can handle Jules Verne. My husband loves Jules Verne, and Veronica was just struggling through it. I'm like, you don't even have to finish. I can't read this stuff. And he's yeah. just like, I can't believe it. He is a brilliant author. I'm like, yes, yes, we're not denying that he's a brilliant author. We are saying we cannot read him. <laughs> it goes back to everybody's got their thing, and yeah. it's okay not to be able to do certain things. Right, exactly. So you know. So yeah, so there's 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 all that. So I don't really, you know, I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about good, bad, and ugly. Um, I don't have a lot of bad other than you know like my Star Wars episode because it just because I didn't like it doesn't mean you won't. However, I can recommend some authors that I that I don't think get any play these days that I think are great. Well, um, let's do that because I think that's a, a good place to start and something that that listeners will be able to actually use, which is what I hope people can walk away with from my podcast well, from, awesome. so okay um there's two authors one still living uh robert silverberg now robert silverberg is an amazing author and um he's one of the people that they had um write asimov stuff when he died and by the way to be able to do that and sound like the other author is very challenging very, very yeah. hard and also he does his own stuff and it's amazing he is um uh, just one of my favorite authors of all time um, but I never hear him mentioned in the same breath as like Heinlein and Clark. And I think he is um, easily as amazing. I think the worlds he creates are incredible. His short stories are all moving in a different way. He has um, the, I think it's the Intergalactic Cafe, which is a short story collection. And um, none of these stories are alike. You You could believe that they were all written by somebody else, which is, hard to do um i just think he's amazing um his i think his best is um the uh, majapur um series where it's uh this is fantasy okay but it's fantasy loaded with science in it even though it's not onerous science mm-hmm. um and it's about a very gigantic water planet and all the politics and stuff going on and um in a similar vein, if you will, to Dune, only I think it's far more accessible than Dune. I loved Dune. I don't know that I could read Dune now. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people who have tried Dune, also based on my recommendation, who just cannot get through it. Um, and I don't think you'll have that problem with with um, the Majapur stories. There's um, Lord Valentine's Castle is the first one, and then there's uh, a whole series um, after, and they are just amazing amazing books just loved everything about them um and they're they're big and they're meaty i mean you get you get a you get a lot you got a lot of buying for that book and then uh the other one that i i love um oh and for me robert um silverberg taught me that you can write everything and you mm-hmm. can sound different and that's okay i write under pen names because of my voice changes um distinctly when i'm writing as somebody other than jenny Koch. so it is um it was really important for me to know that that was a doable thing, you know, and that you could do it well and that I could strive for that. Um, Clifford Simic wrote, um, his most famous work is City, um, but he's done a lot of 
other um, things. And I have a lot of his books. Out of their Out of their minds was the first book of his I ever found. I found it for fifty cents in a used bookstore. Um, but Simic is the person that showed me that you can have the same exact theme in every single thing you write, and yet every story you tell will be different. Simic's theme was the evolution of mankind. Every single book he wrote deals with mankind's evolution, and each one of those books is different. And they are all really neat. And out of their minds, um, cartoon characters have come to life because of our belief in them. Enough people oh, wow. uh, read them. So, yeah. So, like, you know, and, and now, admittedly, you would not know a lot of the cartoon characters now because, like, uh, Snuffy Smith is actually an important character in this. And you have to be over 45 to know who that character is or you have to do some research um, mm-hmm. because uh, he was writing it in that sense topically and um, you know the man has been dead for many years now and so you wouldn't necessarily catch all of it but you can catch it there were there were there were um, cartoon characters I didn't know who they were but as soon as their name got mentioned I was able to you know look them up and say oh that's who that is Gotcha. So, yeah. But really interesting stuff and um he has a whole just anything by him is great. City, like I said, is considered his masterwork. Um and that takes um evolution of not just mankind but also um animals and the and the solar system and and uh what what he says Jupiter is is just fascinating to me and things like that. So it's just really, really good stuff. And Simic's books he was running in the era where novels really were like, you know, considered like forty, fifty thousand words, which mm-hmm. we scoff at that now. But back in the day they were and so his none of his books are what I would call overlong. So you can really have um quite the little simic fest without um without taking, you know, forever to get through it. But I really think he is amazing and he was the person that really showed me that you can have one theme, and as long as your theme is something that you write something different about each time, it makes every book is new. So that's really fa- that's really cool. That's really a, a neat thing to be able to do because I know you know I, I have to teach writing, yeah. and it's it's hard to find a voice, let alone be able to um, find multiple voices or or pick a theme and approach it from multiple different directions and not get pulled back into kind of just your one mainline idea. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so so I think he is just, just fabulous. And I, he does not get any of the big credit that the others do. I mean, he, he was considered a grandmaster, I believe, and everything else, which is, you know, that's a nice acknowledgement by your peers. But I don't hear him talked about in the same way as I hear Heinlein talked about um, and others and or Clark. And I'm not saying these guys weren't amazing because they were, but um, I think Simic is easily as amazing and just is not getting the same credit. So I'm a fan. Got to support him. Well, very good. I think that I think that's fun. And those are definitely some uh, series I'm going to have to put on my list. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling over the, the coming year. And uh, that's when I tend to get the most of my reading done because yeah. there's fewer distractions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Now, I don't know if you can actually find Simic um in ebooks uh i don't know how much of his stuff is still available and how much has to go through like a used bookstore i mm-hmm. was able to find um him 
not that long ago, if you will. Well, it's probably a long time ago now, but I was able to find him in um, in in hardback and in, in physical books that weren't used. So I don't know if you still can. I don't know how much of his of his list is still in print. Well, and there's also there's all of this so this thing that we always forget about called the library, yes. <laughs> which yes. which we don't utilize anymore, really which is a yes. shame. Well, you know, people do. It's actually it's it's very nice. Um, I was very fortunate. Um, my um, when Touched by an Alien came out, um, Diana Tixier Harold reviewed it for Booklist and gave it a starred review, which is huge. Um, and I'm in mass market paperback, and those normally don't go into the library, but because of her review, I was picked up by libraries all around the country. So I'm in a lot of libraries. God love them, because libraries buy a lot of books. Like, yay, libraries! And I have a lot of fans, including a museum of robots found me through the library. So that's where they picked up the first books, was at the library. So, you know, it's sort of not only is the library helping people get the books, but they basically help me, uh, A, make some good friends and get uh, a licensing deal. Thank you. Thank you, public library system. So Yeah, well, and librarians are phenomenal yeah. people. Like, <laughs> they they are, like, we talk about people who have to change their career as time moves on. Yes. The, the librarian of 2016 looks nothing like the librarian of even 10 years ago, yeah. but 20, 30 years ago. And they are, you know, they, they realize if we want to keep this as a job, we have to make sure that we're keeping up with the times and making yeah. sure we're relevant. And I don't know too many other careers that are have been that good at adapting to the changes that go through in technology and everything else. Yeah, they're, they're I have just to agree. People. I have to totally agree. I mean, librarians, you look at what they're doing and how they're adapting the libraries, and it's just like, wow, you guys are doing a great job. It's amazing. Yeah. How, and, yes, they are adapting much faster, considering how, in, in that sense, how old the um, the setup is, how quickly libraries and librarians are adapting should make everybody else feel kind of embarrassed. Yeah. So Especially because we kind of forget about them and don't utilize them as much as we should. Yes, not nearly as much. So yeah. So yeah. I did. Um, the first stuff I ever wrote were novels set in the old west, and my husband is like, "Yeah, and you need to in the you either need to dedicate or definitely list the Phoenix Public Library system in your acknowledgments because for years I had research books out that I just kept. You know, you you could dial in and um, automatically renew. And I was mm-hmm. doing that, and I finally ended up buying the books when I was forgetting to automatically renew, and therefore mm-hmm. I was going to spend in as much in fees as I was to just buy the book. Yeah. So he's like, okay, you're serious about this career. Just buy the book. Okay. <laughs> Let the library have their copies back. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was hugely, until I knew that I actually was going to do my best to do this as a career, I was renting everything from the library. I'm borrowing stuff from the library constantly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. They're the best. And they buy lots of books. So use your library. (laughs) Test out authors all you want on the library. We don't mind. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jeannie, for for being a guest on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's it's been been so nice to talk to you. It's been very fun. Uh, I I love doing podcasts. As you can tell, I'm shy and retiring. It's so difficult to get me to talk. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I look forward to seeing you at San Diego. And seriously, think about um, Phoenix Comic Con. I think you would really enjoy it. 
I definitely will. I think that's going to be fun. And like, you know, much to my husband's chagrin, um, I am trying to get, start getting to Comic Cons that are outside of Southern California. Yeah. And we've got plenty of them down here, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be offered at conventions outside of this area and to, to kind of explore. And since he's such a, a big, uh, geography buff and he loves traveling i'm I'm kind of trying to like bait him with that oh i think that's why <laughs> it's like yeah. we'll go to this place i'll be at a com- comic convention all weekend but but at least we're in a different place right right so. well you know there's things to do in phoenix and uh yeah. the southwest has a lot of history and it's not all in california so right. um and you know i'm a former southern californian so i can i can say that with honesty um phoenix is loaded with interesting things and so is all all of the southwest is really tucson has a tremendous amount of history in it yeah. so you know i mean there's there's lots of fun you can have definitely, uh, definitely. Know, and we have great we're... restaurants too yeah there's a big foodie uh yeah. culture springing up over there well it, it's been here a long time what people don't realize is that phoenix is one of the top three winter destinations in the world so right. we have resorts and resorts require that you have chefs and you have good food or why would somebody be paying these ridiculously exorbitant fees right so mm-hmm. we are we are not as quite as big as vegas in this um but vegas has you know i mean uh, unlv if you really want to you know go to college for for restaurant any form of hospitality that's where you should be going but oh yeah, definitely. We also uh, NAU, uh, Northern Arizona University, has has that, and it's a really good program. So, you know, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of good food. We've got a lot of um, cool resorts. We've got just tons of stuff. So, you know, boost Phoenix. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys have a lot because, yeah. I, like I said at the top of the show, I live in Palm Springs, and yeah. you guys have a lot of stuff in common with us because you know we do have a. Large uh, snowbird population. Yep. <laughs> how how well do yours drive? Do yours drive well? Because ours. Don't. Oh God, no! Oh God, no! And they're all like I always say. You know, I tell people that Palm Springs has three demographics: old people, gay people, and old gay people. That's um, very true. That's yeah, really true. and so yeah. the 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 main stretch in downtown um, Palm Springs is two one way streets, and the number of times that some eighty year old woman will turn the wrong way oh, on on the street and yeah. everybody's honking and yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Oh, well, Oh, we're in winter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I was behind a Mustang yesterday going 30 in a 50. And I thought, what is wrong with this person? New car. And it's like, he, he must've been 95. I'm like, Oh, stupid me. You're a snowbird here in a Mustang, sir. Yeah. You're not using this car. Right. Give this car to me. I will use this car right for you. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's just painful. And you forget sometimes. You know, I don't get out a lot because I'm usually, you know, my characters are getting out. I, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I'm sitting in my butt. And so when I do get out, it's just that shock of, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right, yes. Oh, it's snowbird time. Yay. So, yeah. yeah, I have a friend who we, we um, universally kind of refer to them as 11-year-olds. Yes, um, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, you would have passed, you know, why are they going so Oh, they're 11 Yeah, they're 11 um, I love that. I'm going to Yeah, oh, that. I thought that was I'll, the, I'll the first that. time she said that. I'm like, I'm stealing that one. Oh, yeah, 11 I love that. They're 11 Oh, well, that explains so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, cool. it's just painful. It's it's hideously painful. But, uh, so, 
yeah. So no, we do, and and I I happen to love the desert, um, and yeah. I like heat. So way back when, when I was younger, we used to vacation in the summer to Palm Springs and Desert Hot Springs. So and uh, and and even though Phoenix Comic Con is in June and we're very hot in June, we're not as hot as it will be in July and August, but we're still hot. No. The convention center is very very nicely air conditioned. And all the restaurants are air conditioned, and most of the hotels that people will be at are is in walking distance of a couple of blocks. So, pushing pushing Phoenix Comic Con, I really think you'll have a good time. Yeah, I think so. that we're gonna try and definitely get that on the schedule. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's a whopping sixty bucks. So. <laughs> Any shout-outs for anybody before we uh, take off for the day? Uh, well, Kenny, thank you for the setup. Kenny from Dumbbells and Dragons, and uh, my daughter Veronica, who probably won't won't be listening, but you know she might because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's got the nepotism connection. Uh, and then just slice of sci-fi where I'll be, and um, Alien in Chief, which is my twelfth book, came out in December. And uh, if you don't know who I am, please start with Touched by an Alien. That's book one. The series builds on itself. And I'm trying to think of, I actually had, I should have written it down. I had somebody else I wanted to give a shout out to, but uh, I'm just going to stick with that. And All right. Perfectly. Um, I want to send a, I want to ditto on the, on the shout out to Kenny for, for setting this up and uh, for uh, allowing me to, to publish on his, uh, on his site. I'm, I'm very excited for that connection. Um very very happy that we've we've met and we're we're now talking. I think good things will come of it. And uh shout out also to my brother and his wife and the new baby. Yeah. So excited. We're gonna probably try and get out there to see them tomorrow. So fun. But don't wanna overwhelm. I know they're gonna be very busy and overwhelmed for the next couple of weeks. So yes, you are. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. in. <laughs> the the nicest thing my mother in law did when we came home from the hospital, she asked what did we need? I'm like, I need someone to clean our oven. Because I need to do it seriously. It, they, I think new parents are really appreciative of. I'm going to take out all your trash for you and put the new trash bags in. Yeah. You know, just things like that because you're just so exhausted and overwhelmed. Is this their first? It is their first. Oh, they're, they're, they're really, first. yeah, they're really overwhelmed. So doing little things around the house that won't drive them crazy. You know, right. it's something that's helpful. Um, verifying that it's okay before you do it. But, you know, I'm going to go get you some groceries. What do you need? Yeah. Is sometimes so much better than the fluffy lamb. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because they've gotten 10 fluffy they've lambs. They've got 10 fluffy and... lambs and they have no food at all. And, and they're, now they're drawing shorts. Now it's like, well, I have to feed the baby well, but I have to change the diaper. Well, I have to do this. You know, where neither one of them wants to get out because they're exhausted. So. <laughs> so all right, we just won't eat. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's exactly what. Uh, what does formula taste like? It's not good. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you have so anything, little things like that. Do you have anything coming up this week? Um, I think my Supergirl uh, review will be up on Slice. I, mo- anything that I have coming up this week is coming up on Slice of Sci-Fi. So very cool. We'll um, be sure everybody checks that out. Yes, please. And then anything else? Um. I have I, I should have a new book coming out in February, Plush Life, um, and I'm saying should have that one. I'm self-publishing, so I have more control over that. But we're behind. <laughs> Wouldn't be because of me or anything, would it? But uh, the book's done. It's just getting all the stuff in process. We're a little back, a little backed up. Um, cover art isn't done, and that kind of thing. Um, and then I have a bunch of releases in April. I have. Um, 
a physical release of an ebook that uh was written for Abaddon, which is um Alt Sherlock Holmes New Visions of the Great Detective. There are three I am, I was in um a two hundred and twenty one Baker Street anthology where we gotta put Holmes and Watson any place, anywhere, anytime and anyhow. I made my Holmes a woman and put them in present day Los Angeles. And um that um all the single ladies was in that and then the follow up to that is novella um which was a study in starlets and that is already available in ebook and two other authors got to do the next stories as well and all three are being collected and they'll be out in April and I think the only reason I can come up with why we went with alt alt period sherlock holmes is it puts you mm-hmm. at the top of the sherlock holmes search the, <laughs> the only reason I can think of, because it's not—it's a clunky title, but I think mm-hmm. it's putting us up on top. So I'm excited. It about sounds that. like a fun idea. It's a really cool idea. I love these characters. I'm looking forward to. We're talking about when I get to do another another um, visit with um, Holmes and Watson. My Holmes and Watson. I really, I I like my Sherlock quite a lot. That's and, very uh, cool. Yeah. So and then in May I have a ton of releases. Camp Alien, which is book thirteen, comes out, and a whole bunch of other things. So. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, next week, I think we're going to be talking to Kelly Hightower from the podcast Mating Habits of the Modern Geek. I mm. uh, thought that would be kind of fun to do just before Valentine's Day, see if we could get some uh, tips and tricks for uh, those who are a little less um, romantically inclined. <laughs> that sounds totally or cool. Yeah, or for those of us who are, are romantically inclined but want to see if we can kind of work in our geeky interests into that. So that's kind of what we're going to hopefully be focusing on next week. Um, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. And you can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. Jeannie, where can we find you? Um, easiest place is my website, www.ginnykoch.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at, at Ginny Koch, no space. There is another gal who is very nice when you're trying to talk to me and you put the space in and tells you it's the wrong one. Um, she's, she's in Germany. <laughs> she's very cool. Um, and uh, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, both as just as Ginny Koch and then uh, Hairspray and Rock and Roll, uh, which is my fan page. So, oh, very cool. And I'm on Pinterest for um, uh, those who are interested in pictures. I have all my covers up there, a bunch of other things, and um, who I see as the characters. I've got a lot of pictures of who I would say who who looks like who. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's fun. Very cool. Well, thank you again for for joining us today. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad to to finally get to talk to you because we've been emailing for quite a while now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to put a voice to the name. Same here. Same here. It was really a lot of fun, and uh, I'm really I'm looking forward to getting to see you either at Phoenix Comic Con or at San Diego Comic Con, or hopefully both. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Indeed. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So for all of those of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek. Yay!